Park Cowboy Church. How are y'all doing? Good. I am excited. Let me tell you, we had an eight o'clock service. I'm not a morning person. Bless their hearts. I was like, I will be awake by the end of this service. And they were looking at me like, she lies. She ain't gonna be awake. I was. I'm excited, excited, excited to be with you this morning. Um, we are in, if you're not aware, we're in a series church-wide called The Promised Life. Pastor Randy said, I wanna do something that we not only do in big church, which is you guys, adults. Um, if you don't know that technical term, this is big church. Um, kids' church, we're doing it. Youth service, we're doing it. Men's and women's ministry, small groups. We're all talking around the same thing. Now, somebody asked me earlier, well, if we're teaching the same thing, should we go to something else? Absolutely, because it is the same topic, different perspectives. You're gonna learn something anywhere you go. Um, and I, I think it's really exciting. Last week was the first service, Pastor Randy and Pastor Rob um, talked about no grave. And so he said, okay, and Amber, this week I want you to talk about no chains. And I said, okay, no chains, got it. So I'm, I'm in the process of studying. And I don't know if you remember, if you were here, um, I think it was in February, I preached and I did a video with a bunch of little kids. Y'all remember that? that? Those kids are so funny, can I just tell you? No, one of the little boys, can we put his picture up and keep it up for a minute? Because I want you just to get, this is Corey. If you don't remember Corey, Corey's the one that wants to go on a date in West Texas on a picnic. And he takes his dates to uh, Saltgrass, not to McDonald's until he's been with them 20 years. Y'all remember Corey? So Corey, Corey's mom and dad, um, just keep him up because he's so cute and everybody needs to just look at him. Um, Corey's mom and dad are very, very involved in our student ministry, but his mom is our first through fifth grade, she's on staff here, our first through fifth grade coordinator. And they have three amazing kids, and I'm not just saying that, they're great kids, and they're up here a lot. So I spend a lot of time with them, and I'm gonna tell you, I like when my day is interrupted with conversations with Corey and his brother and sister, they're great kids. But Corey comes in and he's like, what are you gonna talk about to the big people? And I said, well, we're talking about no chains. And he was like, and I could tell, he has no idea. What, and I said, what do you know, Corey, about slavery? And just blank stare. I realized he's learning to read. He's not, they're not there yet in their studies. And so I just started talking to him a little. I said, well, do you remember when we were learning in kids' church about um, Moses and how he went in and got all the people? He's, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I talked to him a little bit about slavery and what bondage is in that. And he goes, okay. And I could see the wheels turning. So this is the time. You always know when to ask questions. When you can tell they want to say something, they just need permission. And I love those moments. And I said, you ever been in slavery? He said, yes, I have. I said, let me just say, I love my life. Can I just say that? I said, tell me about it, Corey. And he said, sometimes when I'm watching movies with Colton Camry, they'll tell me I have to get up and go get them a Sprite. <laughs> I said, do you? And he goes, kind of. I, I go get them something, but I don't get them a Sprite. I'll get them like a root beer or something because I don't want them to be completely in control. I was like, okay, I get it, I get it. And in asking him more, I said, well, tell me something. Like, as a kid, do you feel like you don't, that you have freedom? And he's like, and listen, like, we've all been there, right? Every single one of us, when we were a kid, were like, when I grow up, I'm never gonna discipline my children. I'm never gonna. And some people stuck to that, and that's the reason our country's in the shape that it's in, unfortunately. <laughs> but like, I remember saying things, like I'm gonna eat cheesecake three meals a day. I'm gonna do this. So I said, Corey, when you grow up and you're free, 
what are you going to do? And I think he had this, he's been waiting for somebody to ask him this question. Because he straightened up and he puts his feet up on the table and I'm like, okay, here we go. He said, I will never wear clothes in my house. <laughs> I was like, this could be an awkward conversation for your children's pastor to be having with you. I said, so you're not going to wear any clothes? He said, I'll wear my underwear. I said, okay, cool. What if people come over? He goes, I'll throw on some shorts. I said, thank you, because I would feel awkward if I came to your house and you had no clothes on. He goes, yeah. And he said, people won't have to take their shoes off when they come in my house, and I won't ever make my bed, and I will never eat broccoli and, um, what is that one? Squash. I'll never eat that. And I said, what, so what does freedom food look like? What does that look like? He said, donuts and ramen noodles. You know, we talked and talked, and I realized he just doesn't get it, right? But I know that all of us somewhere in our life have felt like somebody was trying to keep control of us. Well, when I, when I, when I get out of college, I'm going to do this. Or when I get out of high school, when I get out of this situation, I'm going to dot, dot, dot. And I think, and please don't misunderstand me. I don't want anything I say to sound as if I'm not aware that there is still slavery in this world. I'm fully aware of that. But I'm talking to our church family today, to those here, those online, and we're talking about the kind of slavery, the kind of bondage that we deal with. Amen? All right. You're like, I'm going to say amen, even though I don't know if I mean it yet. All right. So I was researching this, and I found this interesting article about this type of psychology called Existional psychology. I don't know if I said that right. But it's based on this idea. I jotted some notes down about it. I thought it was very interesting. It's the single greatest cause of dysfunction in human beings is the realization that we have complete freedom. The article says, this causes an extreme amount of fear. Each of us ultimately is alone in the universe, free to become whoever we wish to become, to shape our lives any way we choose. This complete freedom is terrifying to people so we act in ways that deny that freedom. We blame others for our unhappiness. We say things like, I had no choice, when in fact, we have lots of choices. We claim others made us do this or that, when every single thing we do is actually by our own choice. We are free to do anything we wish to do as long as we are willing to accept the consequences. I think some, we could just stop right there and go, like, we need to learn that, y'all. Yeah, yeah. There's consequences to everything you do. And somebody's got to pay those consequences, right? I, this, I didn't even say this first service, but I'll tell you, I have a son that next week graduates from Mississippi State. Thank you, Jesus, we're done. Yeah. And he is like, I think that the government taking away people's student loans is dumb, but I wish they'd take mine. <laughs> And that's the future of our country, ladies and gentlemen, right there. But, you know, there's consequences. There's, there's a price to be paid for what you have and what you do and what you accomplish. And it says, and it's consequences of living as free creatures that scares people half to death. Have you ever sat not and thought about the freedom that came from Jesus dying on the cross or the freedom that came for people fighting for your freedom here? But have you ever thought about the responsibility your responsibility that comes with that freedom. Have you ever thought about that? Have you thought about how much courage it actually takes to embrace freedom and live as a free person? If you've never thought about it, I encourage you to do so because the reality is 
When you've been in any type of a controlled situation, it takes a lot of courage to walk out and be free, to walk fully in that freedom. Now, because we're talking about no chains, we have to talk about the opposite of freedom to understand that, and that is slavery or bondage. The book of Exodus is all about, all completely about an entire race of people who had to, who really, they just struggled through understanding this newfound freedom. Like we can look at it and go, yeah, because like Moses goes into Egypt and gets them out and they're free. But when you read the book of Exodus, they struggled with that for a long time. Quick recap, Genesis chapter 46. So we understand where we're going today. I'm gonna recap it a little bit. Um, we find that about 100 Hebrew people, Israelites, move in, camp out in Egypt by invite of Pharaoh. Pharaoh loved, absolutely loved Joseph because Joseph had saved Egypt from famine. And these were Joseph's family. And where they were from, they had reached famine. And he said, yeah, bring your family in. So there was this great relationship between Joseph and Pharaoh and now and Joseph's family. But eventually Joseph's family died. And 60 years after Joseph died, there was a change in command and there was a new Pharaoh. And the Bible says this guy didn't know anything about Joseph or his commitment to Egypt or his relationship with Pharaoh. All he knew was that he did not like the amount of now Hebrew Israelite people that were roaming the land. And here's what Exodus 1, 8 through 14 says. Eventually a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. He said to his people, look, the people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. Then we will escape then they will escape from the country. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. They forced them to build the cities of Pithom and Ramesses as supply centers for the kingdom. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread, and the more alarmed the Egyptians became. So the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. They made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks and do all the work in the fields. They were ruthless in all their demands. This turned out to be a 400-year process. 400 years of slavery. Now, I want you to wrap your mind around that. That's a lot of generations. There were people in slavery that their daddies, granddaddies, and great-granddaddies had been in slavery, and then their children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. The idea of freedom was not anything anybody knew how to wrap their mind around. It wasn't available. It was, it was like, what is that? They had no concept of how to schedule their own time. They didn't say, well, who's going to pick up the H-E-B order this afternoon? They didn't do that. They did not get to provide for themselves or their families. They never got to seek education. Last night was both Montgomery and Lake Creek's prom. They didn't have events, Little League, with their kids. They did not. It was completely controlled, abusive, and demonic. Their lives were determined for them. But when you look at the book of Exodus, you and I can look at it and see this amazing, awesome story about this miracle-working God who opened doors that man couldn't shut and he set people free. But there's another side of the story that is tragic because you have 
An enslaved people, though they walked out of Egypt free, never shook the identity that came with being enslaved. They walked out free and remained enslaved, the Bible says, for 40 years. So with that in mind, we're gonna really talk a little bit about, I was trying to come up with a different name for it. I couldn't come up with anything, so we're just gonna go with what I came up with originally, okay? We're gonna talk about a bondage identity and what that is, your identity, and what this, the bondage identity here, and I, please hear me on this. I will never stand up here with the attitude of, I've arrived, I've got it all figured out, let me teach you my ways, because I have not, and I don't. And I hope that you understand that's not the heart of anybody that ever stands in this place, but I will tell you, in this moment, I'm working through this stuff too. I'm processing out this stuff too. And I'm gonna ask that for the next little bit, don't be thinking about somebody else. Because we do it, y'all. Oh, I hope so-and-so's here. Mm-hmm. If she isn't, I'm gonna send her the Facebook link. She sure needs to listen to this. My goodness. God, get a hold of her. And he's like, I'm trying to get a hold of you. So I'm gonna ask, and I'm giving you permission for the next little bit, think about yourself. Don't think about your spouse. Don't think about your children. Don't think about your neighbor. Think about yourself, all right? We don't do that enough. Some of you do it too much, but we're gonna all do it together right now, all right? I have a question, though, for you to ponder as we move forward. Ask yourself this. Do you think it's possible that there are people who have been given the choice of freedom still walking around carrying the chains of bondage and is it possible that you yourself are still carrying some of those chains? I wanna look at a few of the ways the bondage identity kept the Hebrew children um, enslaved long after they left Egypt and how it pertains to us today. It's really great to go, oh, well, let's look at history, but it's not comfortable when we see that history repeats itself, right? Number one, they could not commit. They could not commit. Moses, God has sent Moses in. They have been through like crazy miracles. They, they parted, God parted the sea. They walked across, like they saw that. Nobody slept through that, okay? It wasn't like, what, where was I? I don't remember that happening. They saw all this stuff happen. And they saw, they lived in Egypt where the worship of unreal, unliving gods happened all the time. Baal worship, where children were sacrificed. Horrible things happened in Egypt and none of these gods were alive. And they encountered the one real, true living God as he set them free. And now they're at the base of a mountain. Moses has gone on up to talk to this God and get the Ten Commandments. And because they're free for the first time, they start tweaking out a little bit. They start getting antsy. They start getting nervous. They, they're fidgeting. They're, they're unsettled. So they go to Aaron, who's Moses' brother, also the high priest, and said, look, dude, we got to have something to worship. Uh, we don't even know where Moses is. This is weird. I don't know what to do with my hands. And Aaron's like, all right. And they're like, can you build us a golden calf? And he's like, sure. I'm like, what is going on? And so they collect all the gold and they build this golden calf. And we know the story of Moses comes down and he's mad and we have to start the whole process over. Their experience with authority though had been abusive. And so they struggled, struggled to accept the authority of God 
and the authority that God gave Moses through him. When you have a bondage identity, there is no commitment to anyone but yourself. Let me say that one more time. When you have a bondage identity, there's no commitment to anyone but yourself. Let me give you an example. My children, we had a pool in our backyard and I was like, I do not wanna be the mom that lets her kids drown. Yeah, that's a good idea, right? It's like, yeah, good for you. Good, good way to go, mom. So we went through a little bit of swimming lessons and they're doing like the little basic like chocolate vanilla kind of, you know, thing. But over in the deep end, there's this instructor that's like ex-army and he's got all these older kids and he is wild. And so they've got my kids, they're fine. I'm watching this, this show happen down here. And he's like, look, it's every man for himself. Jump in. And these kids are like, we can't swim. He's like, you'll figure it out. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm so glad that's not my kid, but I can't stop watching. Like, and I'm like thinking, do I jump in and help? Like, will that be weird? Like, what do I do here? And so I'm watching these kids and there's this kid and I'm like, that would be me. I'm him. He is pushing everybody else's head down to keep himself above water. And he's like, <laughs> and all the other kids are like swinging. And I'm like, <laughs> what's happening here? And then they pull him out and he has like an illustration of why you don't do that. And he's like, all right, let's jump back in. And the kids are like, we are not getting back in the pool. <laughs> but that's what we do. When we get in a, put in a situation where we're not really sure that we are committed, we begin to fight for ourselves. We begin to push others down to keep ourselves afloat, not realizing that the God who brought us through has got us. He's holding us. We're not gonna sink. So ask yourself, can you trust God when it's uncomfortable? When it's not your timing? When it doesn't happen your way? All the while knowing that his way is freedom and it's so much better than where you came from. Like that's where the enemy gets us, right? He's like, well, you're not where you thought you were gonna be, but my goodness, thank goodness we're not where we were. Like we have this idea and I know we're a fast food society. I joke about this. If I pull into Chick-fil-A and they tell me to move to spot one, my fries aren't ready. I'm frustrated. <laughs> I'm like, you should have known I was coming. And they, what? You said my pleasure. There's no pleasure happening right here. <laughs> I do not want to be in spot one. I want my fries so I can go home and eat a salad with my family. Come on. We want what we want and we want it now. And when God begins to move and when we first feel it, we're like, yeah, this is awesome. This is cool. Thank you, God. And then stuff doesn't happen the way we want it, when we want it, how we want it. We're like, oh, where's God? He didn't even care. He's going to leave me to die in the, in the desert. I got to find something else to put my focus on. I got to find, you said, well, I would never worship a golden calf. Maybe not, but we worship other things. Well, I'm going to put my energy into this. I'm gonna figure out this, I'm gonna do this. Ask yourself, can you trust God? Number two, they could not show gratitude. Two months, y'all, two months after they left Egypt. This is what they said in Exodus 16:3. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. I think they were all middle school kids, I don't know. <laughs> just kidding. For you middle school kids, I'm just playing, not you, them. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted, but now you have brought us into the wilderness to starve us to death. <sighs> they weren't talking about, hey, remember when they stole our children and killed them? When they beat us to death. 
when we had no freedom, when they offered people in our family to their gods. They were, they were like, remember that time we had some meat? That was good times, wasn't it? Slavery, man, mm, the good old days. I liked it. Why do we do that? When you have a bondage identity, bondage can look better than freedom because freedom becomes uncomfortable. Because again, we're like, I don't know what to do with this. And friend, I'm gonna tell you right now, if God has set you free, you have to trust that he is with you in the freedom, not just in the brokenness. And he stays with you through the process. Freedom can be scary stuff if you can't grasp the goodness of God. And I'm gonna tell you something, I don't think any of us will ever fully be able to grasp the goodness of God, but I think we should spend the rest of our lives trying. Because he's bigger and better than anything we can imagine. Let's just let him show himself proof, right? So ask yourself, are you thankful? Do you recognize what God has done? Do you realize that he owed us nothing and yet he died on the cross for our sins and continues to be present and available in our lives? Number three, they could not exercise their faith. So God sent manna. Manna was unleavened bread from heaven. I had a kid ask me one time, so you think it was like those rolls from Texas Roadhouse? I said, I wish, but probably not. Because they probably wouldn't have been mad. They'd be like, bring some more of that honey butter, Jesus, thank you. <laughs> it was just unleavened bread. But God said, here's what you're gonna do. I'm gonna bring this to you every day. When you get up, you get what you need for the day. Don't take more. You don't need more. Tomorrow hasn't happened. And people, they were like, I don't know. I don't know. Because what if? What if God doesn't come through? What if he's done the right thing up to this point and he forgets? And see, listen, people fail you, but God doesn't. Stop putting God on the same level of, of you, that you put your family and your friends. And so they're like, I don't know. So you'd have some people stuff a little extra in their pocket. And the Bible says the next morning it was covered in maggots and it stunk. And they were like, oh, I did that, sorry. God told them to only collect what they needed. Here's my question for you. First, let me give you an example. We have a friend that they adopted a little six-year-old girl that had been in a highly abusive home life. And these people are rock stars. They bring her in, and I mean, just cute as can be. And they started noticing she was getting up in the middle of the night and eating till she got sick. I mean, they had dinner, but she was eating till she got sick. So my friend went in there one morning and said, I want you to come here. She took her in the kitchen. She opened the fridge and the freezer, and she said, you see all this? That's, that's, that's yours. She opened the pantry. You see all this? That's yours. But I go to the grocery store once a week. And so what we get has to last us all week. You will never be hungry and I will never not feed you as long as you live in this house. And I would like to say that she completely got it. She didn't. They had to start putting locks on things at night. Um, she went to a birthday party while the kids were playing outside. She ate the whole cake. It's devastating, but let's be honest, we've all thought about doing that before. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay. And through therapy, she got to work through that, but that, what is that? That is a bondage mentality. You're good to me today, but will you be good to me tomorrow? You're providing for me right now, but will you provide for me tomorrow? Your provision is here, but what about tomorrow? Can you trust God 
with what you cannot see. The things around the corner that you are not prepared for, can you trust him? And number four, they could not voluntarily obey. Obedience for them was forced at the end of a whip. They never had the choice. They did, it was do it or die. And so now they're free and they need to voluntarily obey someone that's not physically forcing them to comply. God, and then God's put Moses in place. And so God, God says, here, you're gonna collect all this manna every day, but on the sixth day, you're gonna collect for the sixth and the seventh day because the seventh day is the day of rest. It's the Sabbath. Here's what it says. In Exodus 16, 24 through 28, it says, so they put some aside until morning, just as Moses had commanded. And in the morning, the leftover food was wholesome and good, without maggots or odor. Moses said, eat this food today for today is Sabbath day dedicated to the Lord. There will be no food on the ground today. You may gather food for the next six days, but the seventh day is the Sabbath. There will be no food on the ground that day. Some of the people went out anyway on the seventh day, but they found no food. The Lord asked Moses, how long will these people refuse to obey my commands and instructions? Like, we trust God, but do we fully trust him? Like, oh God, you can do all this, but not when it comes to my marriage. Not when it comes to my children. God, you can have it all, but stay away from my business. Because I'm a businessman. I have a degree from A&M. <laughs> God, I know more than you. Like, we do that. So ask yourself, can you fully submit? Trusting the process. Knowing that he's good and he keeps his promises. A bondage identity cost many of these people their lives. Y'all look at me. A bondage identity is costing many of us our lives because you're existing, but you're not living. Because you and I have allowed things in our life we're afraid to let go of. We're afraid to release. We're afraid to trust. So we hold on to it. We become comfortable with it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You mamas, when you first had a baby and they're like, they weigh six pounds and you put them in that little carrier and you're like, okay. And then all of a sudden they get fat <laughs> and you're still carrying that carrier with that baby. It's like two bowling balls and you're, you're doing it. And then you have somebody who's not used to doing that, hold the carrier and they're like, dear God, how you carry this thing around all the time? Men, you've carried your wife's purses. But we get comfortable because we, we don't pay attention how much it weighs because we just get used to it. Well, it's just, you know, I, I was abused and, I, you know, and I'm still working through it. Work through it, but don't hold on to it. I'm not saying, listen, do not misunderstand me. I'm not saying pretend like stuff doesn't exist. That's the same thing as holding on to it. But it's addressing the bondage, addressing the chains, recognizing the price was paid. This isn't for me to keep. And I've got to figure out how to give it to God and continue to give it to God until I stop taking it back. We just celebrated Easter, the biggest example and expression of freedom ever. Galatians 5.1 says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. This is freedom that God has extended to you without cost. He's done it. He died for you whether you ever live for him. He paid the price for you whether you ever accept it. Christ can give you freedom like he gave the Hebrew children, but you're gonna have to shed that bondage of identity. That verse says that 
make sure you stay free. See, God sets us free, but then we have a part to play. We gotta stay free. He can set you free from addiction, but guess what? You can jump right back into it. He can help you become debt free and you could rack up that debt all over again. He can heal your marriage and then you can throw it away again. We have a part to play, y'all. Nowhere in scripture does it say we get to sit on a front porch in a rocking chair like we're at Cracker Barrel waiting for our pancakes to be ready. We have a part to play. The big part he did, and now he says, now I'm gonna give you the tools, stay free, walk in freedom. Well, how do I do that? Number one, you showed up this morning, that's a big deal. Whether you're online or you're here, you showed up. Stay in church, get involved in a community that's gonna push you to be a better version of yourself. Some of you need new friends. It's crazy to have to tell grown folks that, but some of you need new friends. Maybe if you're like, I don't even know how to study the Bible, get involved in a life group that teaches that. Do digging deep. Find community that's gonna help you grow. And then I'm gonna tell you something. Parents, grandparents, be honest. Do you know what builds kids that break free from generational curses? Watching you be honest about breaking free from it. Pretending that it's not there doesn't make it go away. Being honest, going, this is, it stops with me, baby. You're not, it's not gonna go on to you and it's not gonna go on to your children. And I'm gonna, I want you to watch daddy. I want you to watch mama. I'm, we're gonna break this. Talk, communicate, be real, be open, be honest. Ayana Van Zant said this, it's beautiful, it's amazing. So I have it on the screen for you. There is no greater battle in life than the battle between the part of you that wants to be healed and the parts of you that are comfortable and content remaining broken. If you are in student ministry with me and you've been in youth ministry with me more than a month and we've had a private conversation, you are gonna, you're gonna be very familiar with the image I'm about to put up. Y'all go ahead and put that up. I am a person that is full of, I've got a head full of useless information. I can't tell you how to budget a lot of things, but I can tell you why flamingos are pink. I can tell you the secret menu at Chick-fil-A. I mean, I got some weird stuff I can help you with. But so, but I like, I, I'll hear something that I'm interested in and then I like go study it out. And then I like geek out on things. So somebody was teaching me about this thing called foot binding. I'm like, what is that? I have to know more. So I started researching what it is. I know that's really gross. You're like, great, we're gonna go to lunch. You'll be all right. Most of y'all deal with cattle and stuff. I am not worried about you. In ancient China, they would take women's feet as a little girl and they would bind them up to where the bones would break and the ligaments would tear and they would force them into those little shoes. Those shoes fit like a 2T, 3T, a two-year-old or three-year-old. And they would force their feet into these because what made women attractive was small feet. I'm five foot three and I have a size eight and a half, nine. I'm in bad shape in China, let me tell you. Like I never grew into my feet. But they would, they would break these feet down and they would, and I thought that's so weird. But because I have a brain that, that, we're, that geeks out over stuff like that, I just keep reading and I keep researching. And I find this interview of this woman in her 90s and she still binds her feet. And the man interviewing her said, ma'am, that's an old thing. People aren't even doing that anymore. Why are you still doing this? And I'm gonna tell you the truth. I'm sitting behind my computer reading this ugly cry and the Holy Spirit got a hold of me so strong in this moment. She said, well, I tried to unbind my feet. 
And the first night that I went to bed with my feet unbound, it hurt so bad, I had to get up and bind them again. You know why it hurt? The blood was able to circulate in an area where it had never circulated. Listen to me. Y'all get this, it'll change your life. Healing hurts. But we get so caught up in the pain of healing because we've become comfortable with the pain that's trying to kill us, that's breaking us, that's tearing us down, that's destroying our marriages, that's destroying our country, that's destroying our families. I'm sorry that if I'm the fun sucker today, but the reality is you have to decide, I have to decide, do we want to stay in pain that we've become numb to, or do we want to take the bondage off and let the blood of Jesus flow through and allow us to heal. The reality is the healing doesn't really hurt. It's just you're feeling something you haven't felt in a long time. There was a little boy in Haiti in a village that had been abandoned by his mom because he had a really bad um, hump on his back. And at eight years old, the village people just threw food out to him. He had nowhere to sleep at night. They thought he was demon possessed. They thought he was crazy. And we were in the village playing with these kids and he was over off the side watching. And I just felt the Lord tug on my heart, invite him to play. He didn't know how to play. So we fed him lunch and everything. And when we went to leave, I hugged him and it hurt him. He cried. And I felt awful because I was like, I didn't squeeze him that tight. Like, oh my goodness. And I realized the very thing he needed that he was lacking hurt because he didn't understand. Y'all, I can't say this any more clear. The choice is yours. The choice is mine. Do we wanna stay holding on to the things that are weighing us down or do we wanna take that binding off and let God set us free? I can't make that decision for you, only you can. You can't make it for your spouse, you can't make it for your children. I mean, I wish we could. But I promise you this, we make it for ourselves and we live that out. It sets an example that people want to follow. Bow your heads with me all across this room. I'm not gonna pretend to say that I know your situation or that I know what you're facing or that I know what you've entailed. I know that there's a lot of things in life that cause pain that's heavy and hurts. And I'm, I want you to know that's valid. But where do you go from here? You have to make that choice. Hear me on this. There's nothing wrong with having a therapist. There's nothing wrong with a good biblical counsel. There's nothing wrong with having people that talk you through this process. Do not, do not, do not hold on to something and try to work through something that you can't do by yourself. The Bible says he came to set the captives free and who the sun sets free is free indeed. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm gonna ask what I believe is the most important question ever asked to any of us in our lifetime. Do you know Jesus? Have you given your life to him? Have you given your heart to him? Have you allowed him to come in and break chains that have been bounding you binding you for so long? If your answer is no, I would love to pray with you. So if you're in here and you can say, I need, I need to give my life to Christ. 
that simple. Can you raise your hand so I can pray with you? We can put a Bible in your hand. If there's anybody here. Okay. I'm gonna ask one more question and I want you to keep your head bowed and eye closed because this is very personal. You can say, yeah, I've given my life to Jesus, but I'll be honest. I've got some other stuff that I need to let go of. I've been carrying some stuff far too long. It might be a lot of stuff. It might be a little stuff. It might be something you pick, lay down and pick it back up every now and then. But you know it's not meant for you to carry anymore. And you need the Lord to help you in that. If that's you, can you slip your hand up? That's awesome. That's freeing in itself, just being honest about it, you know? Can everybody stand with me? Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, we just come to you this morning and we thank you. We thank you for every person here, every person online. Lord, I thank you for every person that lifted their hand and Lord, you know our hearts. And God, for people who leave and they're like, I, don't, I can't think of anything. And when it hits them, Lord, I pray right now that whatever it is that we're holding on to makes us so extremely uncomfortable. It's nauseating that we just have to stop and get you involved. Lord, I thank you that it was never your will for us to carry things things that have hurt us, things that have broke us. You not only acknowledge that pain, you understand that pain. You paid the price for that pain. And Lord, you desire to heal us from the inside out. You desire for us to walk in the fullness of what you have for us, regardless of what our past looks like. So Jesus, I pray with every person within the sound of my voice that you would give them the awareness of what we need to let go of for those that lifted their hand, Lord, I pray that you move on their behalf. Lord, surround these people with community. Help us all to remember we are not supposed to do life alone. And Jesus, I pray that you move mightily in your church and that your church would go into this world and be a beacon of hope, a light, an example of what freedom looks like. We love you, Jesus. And we give you this day in your precious name, amen.